Welcome to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. y'all so much. Um, wow. Just uh, great to be with you this morning. Great to be uh, here in God's house together as always. Man, Tim and all of the worship team, thank y'all so much uh, for leading us to, to the throne in worship. And um, got a little bit of an announcement. This is a last minute thing, but it's, I think it's going to be uh, pretty awesome. Uh, I think that it seems to be something God just kind of put together. Next Sunday, our worship will be led by Kelly Bowling, Bowling and her um, three daughters. I don't know if anybody knows. How many of y'all ever heard of the Crab family? Yeah, got a few. Educate yourself. If you don't, just type them in. But Kelly is the oldest daughter uh, in, out of the Crab family. Um, just absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal music family. But uh, Miss Kelly and her three daughters will be with us to sing for us next week and, and all. And I'll be sharing a little bit there too. And um, just excited about that. Uh, so make sure, you, make sure you're here and uh, get to be a part of that. It's going to be uh, going to be a blessed time. I'm not going to uh, I'll let them share uh, about things that are going on in their life right now and, and things, but they've, uh, God's doing some, some things in their life at this moment and just excited about what, uh, always excited about what He's going to do in the life of one of His children. Um, so those three girls uh, are phenomenal. I don't know, uh, just take my word for it. Miss Kelly can flat lay it down, and she loves the Lord and just is excited about serving Him. But those young ladies too, I'm telling you, um, they can they can flat lay it down. So I just encourage you to be be a part of it. My wife is looking very forward to it. Uh, she's uh, when she found out, she was all giddy because she follows their little story. Y'all know how y'all do that stuff, Pinterest and Instagram and whew, excuse me, Instagram and all that good stuff. I um I don't know why I'm I'm trying to get my train of thought here together. Sleep deprived a little bit, but. Uh, uh, chose to uh, wear a vest this morning because there are a lot of folks that know why I wear a vest. Um, one of the reasons I think that they're, they're, they're a little bit slimming versus, <laughs> if they're not, don't tell me. But also, you only have to iron the sleeves. You don't have to iron the rest of the shirt. So you just iron the sleeves. And, and, I'll, and so this is one of my last times of the year, I believe, to, to wear one. So things are starting to warm up. And, and so I... Um, <laughs> Uh, just got my mic hung on the collar of my vest, so I was just brought that to my mind. So we got there's some great things that are going to be happening around here, and already have been happening, and we're excited about what God's doing. I believe that God worked last Sunday. 
I believe that God worked in our lives, both services, in an amazing way. God's always working, but I think He worked in a special way through His Word. Let me just ask you this. Do you love His Word? Do you read it? I mean, do, is it a part of you? Those are good questions. You know, I believe that God does supernatural things. Sometimes we get the, the idea of how God works, I think, backwards. I'm not saying that I know everything, but I, sometimes I believe we get the idea of how He works backwards. Sometimes we think that God is just dropping supernatural stuff on us at will. Just, and He can do whatever He wants to, but how does He primarily work? He primarily works by us coming to Him, His Word being ingested into our uh, our mind, which affects our heart. And then when we change our pattern of life, in other words, God convicts us of the sin in our lives, God directs us in His path, we follow Him when we get off path, He corrects us, and, and while all that's going on, God is sanctifying us, and He is creating us more and more into the image of His Son. In other words, we're going away from unrighteousness and more toward righteousness, and the more toward righteousness that we... we uh, more we travel toward righteousness, live toward righteousness, then the more that God is, is filling us. And when I say filling us, He is becoming more in us than us in us. Does that make sense? It's more Him. And God delights in, I believe God delights in blessing His Word. So if His Word's found in you, uh, these things just seem to make full circle. So today I want to take you to Jeremiah chapter 2 as we continue our thought about being filled up. In Jeremiah chapter 2, two particular verses, and God um, in those two verses I believe says something to some people of old, but I find that His Word is full of this idea, this, this thought, this uh, declaration, I believe, that these two verses actually makes in our, our lives. So in Jeremiah chapter 2, he says these words in verses 12 and 13. He says, Be astonished, O heavens, at this. Be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, says the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and have hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. Let me pray. Father, would you take your word this morning? Would you allow me the privilege to say what you would have me say but would you take your word then and do do what only you can, God. No one in this room can change anybody else. No one in this room can create can hold the affection of the human heart like you can. Cause us, Father, to be mindful of 
the things of God today in Christ's name. Amen. The Bible, through and through, speaks of being filled. Now, I know that there are certain areas that are a little, that differ in some ways when it comes to being filled. But I want to take you to a couple of thoughts here. In Psalm 23, we know the 23rd Psalm, uh, and when he gets past the midpoint, you know, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, comfort, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, no, uh, anoint my head with oil, my cup, what does what, church? Yeah, my cup runs over. Doesn't that sound like what you would desire in your life? I mean, honestly, in my life, I, I don't want my cup to be partially filled. I want my, and, I, and I'm talking about my life in Christ. To not just be partially filled, I would like it running over. I, I'm young, but I'm old enough to have watched people drink coffee from a saucer. Can I get a witness? Yeah. I was like, better stop, better stop, better stop. <laughs> Fill it to the rim, and then they'd pour a little over in, and mix it up, and then they'd drink. My uncle did that all the time. And I'm sitting there going, y'all won't let me play like that, you know? Give me a plate and a cup and fill mine to the top. I'll show you something. But you know, I want my life, I really do, I want my life to be, well, I say I want my life to be filled to overflowing. How many of you would like joy in your life? Because there's a, there's a lot of folks in this world today right now, maybe even in this room, we can put on a show, right? But the truth of the matter is that there might not be as much joy as we put on that there is. We all can put on the church face and we can act like everything's okay, but then we have days. And have you ever f noticed that the moment that things start to get peaceful, it's like all, you know what, breaks loose. All heck breaks loose, Right? Have you ever experienced that part? Did you know that he promises us that there are certain things in the Christian life that we can bank on? I don't think that the fruits of the Spirit are limited. Love, joy, peace, and on and on. I, I don't think that they're limited. I, I think that they're tied to our desire to, to be in the will of God. I, I know that happiness is something that's going to flow. It's actually tied to the word happen. It's if things are going well, I'm happy. If they're not going well, I'm unhappy. I don't think it's a great biblical word to use because I don't really find the, 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 that doctrine in the Bible. I don't find in the Bible that God's wanting to make us happy. But God will fill us with joy, inexpressible and full of glory. He promises that. So let, let, me, let me give you another one. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. I want to read verse 16 through 19. That He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, that, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded 
in love may be able to comprehend all with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of God which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And I'm, I'm going to go to this in a moment and kind of dig into it, but did you notice that the language there, that the verbiage, it's not that God, this, he's, what he's talking about, when you got saved, I know the Holy Spirit came to indwell me. I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm set apart for his glory. I know that I'm going to heaven. I know I'm his child because he gave me the right to become his child. He called me. He set me apart. I know all those things. But the language there is telling me that this is something that is going to develop in my life. This is not something that, you know, I got saved. Everything's done now. But it's not. It is in, as far as God's concerned, it is. Why? Because what God says today about tomorrow is as good as it being here. In other words, that's why I know I'm going to heaven. Because what God said about me before the foundation of the world is true when this world ends and for all eternity. And same thing for you. But yet while we walk this pilgrim's journey, there's something that's going on there. But he says that if these things uh, come to pass, if these things happen in your life, that you... Well, you'll be full. Now, John 6, 35. Let me hit that one for just one, one second. I'll give you, give you that. John 6, verse 35. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. As a, Matthew, as a matter of fact, in Matthew, in the Beatitudes, he said, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Once again, blessed are they who do what? Hunger and thirst after righteousness. That is a, uh, a requirement on our part. And then God promises, and they shall be. In other words, that is a future tense thing for those who are hungering and thirsting. Not a, I, don't, I didn't major in grammar, but that one's pretty easy, right? Future tense in your life Hunger and thirst shall be filled. So there's something to it there. God is not a respecter of persons. Whatever God has for me, God has for you when it comes to this. It, and it doesn't matter what position you hold in the kingdom of God. Whether you're watching the nursery or, or whether you're pastoring a church or whether you're some evangelist like Billy Graham was or whether you're um, you know, presiding over a, a, a team that's working on finances at the church or whether God's using you as a mom in a home to raise some godly children or whether, Dad, you're providing for your family as a godly man and you're, you're, you're doing that, that there for the glory of God. Whatever you're doing for the Lord... Just know, I'm not some, oh gosh, I have to watch my wording here, but I'm not some priest or some bishop that has some hierarchy over you, that I can get something from God that you can't. I have a calling on my life that may be different than others, but as far as my daily walk, you have just as, just as much access to God as I do. 
let me throw some, some thoughts out here at you and try to communicate a few things so that you might be able to start on a fresh journey in your life. Did you know that God does not follow us around as we walk in our wheel to keep us filled with living water? God does not follow us around while we walk in our wheel in order to keep us filled with living water. I want to give you a quick visual, and then I want to explain some things to you. Um, let's see. J.W., you give me a hand a second. Come on up here, dude. So I want to give <coughs> you this. And if you would, I just want you to randomly, you just go wherever you want to go. <coughs> so today, now granted, don't, within the bound, let me rephrase you cannot exceed the boundaries that your parents have given you other than the fact that you got to come up here, okay? But you can go wherever you want to go. You're free. You do whatever you want to do. God, the cameramen are going to love me today. God is not doing this. God is not, are you collecting money? Hey. <laughs> We have a position for you in the church. Um, no, you just tote that thing. You just go wherever you want to go. You can walk anywhere in the same. You don't have to hold it out in front of him. You just, God is not going, man, where is JW at? Man, I tell you, good gracious, I got to get to him. I, I, I mean, he's like, he seems to be going wherever he wants to go, but he's not going where I want him to go. And if I could just catch up with him, I could feel him. Is that what God's doing? God's in the... You can come on back. Thank you, sir. Y'all give him a hand for helping us. God's not chasing after you. I mean, we get this idea that God's chasing us. And don't get me wrong. Is God pursuing us? Yes, but not like that. As a matter of fact, look at the picture of the prodigal son and the father. Does the father run to the son? Yes, he does. But he does not start his running to the son until the son realizes where he's at in the pig pen and repents. And then as he's coming back, it's as good as done in the father's eyes. It's all he was looking for was him to turn back to the house. I'm wrong. I, I was outside of your will, Father. I was, and, and, and on and on and on. And the Father then comes. Kill the fatted calf. Let's party. Put ring on his finger, shoes on his feet. Robe on him. But God is not running around frantically trying to figure out where you are and chase you down in the things that you're doing that do not please him to try to give you something. And so often, what we do is we drop by once a week to get a little shot. And often, I'm afraid that's all we got is a little shot. I've said this before, I'll say it again, and I'll stick with it. If all the Jesus that you ever get is what you are given on Sunday mornings at church, 
then you will thirst to death. This is a living with Him thing. Every single day. Uh, let me show you a couple of things. And, and I'll, I'll put it this way. I'm, for time's sake, I'm not going to go uh, in, into reading all of this, but at John 15, it's about abiding in the vine and He in us and bearing much fruit. But just listen to those words. The word there is, if you abide with me and I with you, you will bear much fruit. If you abide in my word, he actually says, and my word abide in you, which you can't separate the, the two. And if you'll go back to what we've been talking about all this year, I told you earlier at the very first of the year that you can't separate the word, Jesus, you, you can't separate them. Why? Because He is the living Word. This book is the embodiment of Jesus Christ to us. From the very beginning to the very end is Christ. And so He says, if we abide, but, but, but our text, my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken. And, and when we get in that word forsaken, when you look it up and study it, it means to leave, to depart from, let alone to abandon my people have left me. They have abandoned me. They've turned from me. They've let me alone. John 5, 40. In John 5, verse 40, it says this, But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. You're not... He said to him, you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. And I understand eternal life. Come to the Father. I, I come to Christ, uh, to the Father through Christ. I understand the salvation part of it, that we come to Christ. We get eternal life. And, and, and he is the one, and I'll, I'll get into it in a moment. He's the one that's going to be doing, doing all of the work. He's the, one, he's the one that even draws you back to him through the Holy Spirit when you're sinning. That's how you know that you're His, one of His children, that He convicts you. So it's Him working, no doubt. I don't want you to get the idea that you are creating anything. You wouldn't come back to Him after your salvation. You wouldn't come back to Him for more of this filling of the living water. And I'll tell you what that is in a moment. Because, but, but you wouldn't come back were it not for Him pulling you back. And I'll just be honest with you. I say this with all the reverence and respect I can, but I don't know where I would be in church attendance a lot of times throughout my life were it not for the calling of God on my life to pastor. I'll just be honest with you. There would be some Sundays I'd be like, <laughs> but I have to admit to you, the reason that those things would happen would be because I was not where I needed to be in my relationship with Him. But thanks be unto God for His calling. Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come unto me, all you what, who ch church? Labor and earth. There's an invitation there. He says, come to me. He's not saying, I'm going to come find you. Did he come find me when I was lost? 
Yes. Amen. Yes, he did. Now he says, come to me. That we have forsaken. Now, everybody in this room may not be in this situation. But I'll promise you this. Don't be pious. Don't have a high and mighty attitude about the fact that I'm, I'm not in that situation. I have a great devotion life with the Lord right now because life can change. Life, your temptations may, may change in the next little bit of time. As a matter of fact, the very moment that we get arrogant about where we're at with God, God just might cause you to be in a season where he, you are away from Him just to remind you of how good that living water is. Now, I want you to go to Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29. I want to read verses 11 through 13 to you. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. I hope I got everybody still with me. God does not follow you around as you walk in your personal will to keep us filled with living water. For one, as you're finding your place there, for one, God is not fretful about you getting too far away from Him if you're His child. And there is a disclaimer there. His child. In other words, God's not wringing His hands with me at the moment going, boy, I tell you what, I hope He don't go too far because He might just slide out of His salvation. God's not stressing there. Jeremiah 29, verse 11 through 13 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. We, a lot of us here have heard that verse. Keep reading. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. You say, that's Old Testament, preacher. I can take you right into the New Testament. Two commands God gives us as the greatest. What is the first one, church? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Yes. There is, and if you look it up, it's going to be an action. It is going to be something that takes place. You'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. He says, my people have create, committed two evils. The first one, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living water. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. Did you know that whatever we fashion from earthly resources will never be able to contain living water? Whatever we fashion from earthly resources. I almost wrote down the word, whatever we make. You and I do not make anything. We fashion things from what God has already made. That's why we have the limitations of the physical laws. Nothing cannot be created, nor what church? Destroyed, but only what? Changed in form. Come on, y'all got to remember this, right? 
Nothing can be created or destroyed, only changed in form. That is, if you're not God. God works outside of that. Why? Because He is God. He's, he can do supernatural things. That's why when we see God split a Red Sea, wow! When we see God do these miraculous things around us that just, we just can't put our, our, our minds around, we go, wow. But the reason it wows us is because we are in a situation where we can't, we can't do these things. No matter what you fashion out of what God made, whether it be a relationship, whether it be a tangible item, whatever it may be, even an idea, it will never, ever, ever be able to contain living water. Yeah, another volunteer. Let's see here. Katie will help me out. I know she will. So, Miss Katie, here's yours. You can stay right there. We can, I'll come down to you. When we, and I would encourage you to hold it out like that. Yeah, okay. So as we go through our lives, we tend to grab a hold of things that we think are going to fill us, do we not? Y'all give me an example of something. Money. New car. New house. Job. Y'all own material things. Give me some other things. Relationships. What is it? Health. Did I hear that? Health. Let's just go with this. Let's go with a, oh, here's a great new job right here. This wonderful new job. That'll do it. And I have prepared the place for that to go. Right? It's not working real well. Right? Ain't working too good. Y'all are worried about, y'all spilt more coffee than, than I. <laughs> maybe, just maybe, I met that special someone. Right? That'll do it. And I have the box to put them in. Can I get a witness? Right? Not only is that, that's the one, but also I know where to put that person. I know just what I need from them. Come on now, ladies. How many of y'all sit down throughout your growing up and you got all these plans? Can I get a witness? Come on now. Any of you? I raised three daughters. I was, my heart was destroyed. Well, not my heart. My, 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 my budget mind was destroyed. Daddy, we're going to get married so-and-so place. We're going to be such-such dress. And I'm sitting there, and they ain't but six years old. You know, I'm like, oh, my Lord, what was, what was, how do you know about this? Well, we watch a show with Mom, and, it's, you know, it's like the dresses. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Hannah was blessing my heart when she was younger. I want to get married at McDonald's. That's just my baby right there. <laughs> That's my child. Everybody's going to eat off the dollar menu because we had to eat off the dollar menu, right? 
So she thought that was, well, maybe I led her wrong. <laughs> it's like, this is the special food, honey. You know, this is... <laughs> Everybody's going to eat off the dollar me. I'm like, man, this is great. We got this one in the bag. <laughs> then she introduced me to the little fella when she was nine who she was going to marry. <laughs> like, yeah, this thing will work out. It just... But the relationship, it just literally, it don't hold water, does it? Thank you. You're good. I won't do it, but we could go on and on. I could go grab something, a car a house, whatever it is. You see, because there's two problems there. Not only is it the problem of the fact that I'm going to give you something in a moment. I was going to give you something in a moment. I'll go ahead and do it because it feels right to do it now. Seeking fulfillment in earthly pleasures is as fruitless as watering fake flowers. Seeking fulfillment in earthly things is as fruitless as watering fake flowers. Because there's two problems. Jeremiah chapter 2. Verse 13. We, we, we have two evils here. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. In other words, they have left me, departed from me, let me alone, abandoned me. But then the second one says, and have hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So in other words, what we're expecting the worldly things to do those things are never going to feel, they're never going to hold living water because God didn't design them that way. And we have a place we want to put them that God did not want to feel. Our flesh. We have dug out. And, and, and I, want you to, I don't want you to miss this. We're always going to be doing something. Some of us work very hard on this because we'll, we'll figure out a way. If I get this new job, you hear me? If I get this new job, what I got to do, th these gaps, I've got to weave in some more because the new job pays a little more money, so we'll be able to do this, and this will work out, and it all, and I've got it figured out, God. Let me read something for you. Haggai. Who, who, what? Haggai. If you go to Matthew, you'll, uh, and take a left. You'll find it. Only two chapters, very small. Haggai chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. You listen to this. Haggai chapter 1, verses 3 through 14 says, Then the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, it is, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now, I know the context of what he's saying. What I want you to get is the principle of how God can take things in your life and cause them to come to nothing. All of your great plans. In other words, I know we're not trying to build a temple. I get that. 
Yes, we're, I'm not even going to take things out of context and try to illustrate the fact that we're trying to build a building out there by using this, this. And you, you need to forsake your own paneled houses to build that. I'm not, no, 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 this is my point. That was what God wanted them to do at that moment. That was what God had want, wanted them to do. In other words, that was God's will for those people. You with me? That was the task at hand. One of the greatest, other than salvation, dare I say, probably one of the greatest things that you need today is an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Why? Because He does supernatural things. You don't. So here, Haggai, he says, uh, verse... I'm sorry. Haggai 1, verse 3 through 4. Then the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses, in this temple to lie in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much, and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but you're, no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put it into a bag. What does it say, church? With holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temples that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it Away. Why? Says the Lord of hosts. Because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Now I'm going to stop there for just a moment. God told them, He says, I want you to go to the, to the forest and I want you to cut down the cedars, the cedars of Lebanon. Did you know they had just come out of captivity 70 years in Babylon? And if you don't think that God's in control of your life, while they were in Babylon for 70 years, the cedars of Lebanon were growing. So when they come out of bondage, God's got a mission for them. I want you to build me a house. What you going to build it out of? Cedars of Lebanon. Are the cedars of Lebanon big enough? Is there enough of them? Sure is because you've been in bondage for 70 years. And don't forget that I'm the one that put you there. But I also put the trees there and I caused them to grow and did you know that I believe with all that's in me that, that, that not a blight, nor a storm, nor anything, nor a drought could have destroyed those trees in Lebanon while they were in captivity? Just like I believe that there was nothing that could harm the body of the Lord Jesus Christ on His way to Calvary's cross. Why? Because He was on mission for God. And that God has a mission for you and I. And our mission that God has for us does not... It does not come before our relationship with Him because unless you have the relationship with Him, you can't go on the mission for Him because the mission for Him is a supernatural thing. You have to have Him to do the mission. The mission is not yours to accomplish. It is His that He will accomplish through you. And He says, you want to know why it didn't come to much? I blew it away. 
I did it. He said, you don't know why I did it? Because you wasn't on the mission. I gave you something to do. You didn't do it. And that's why David was able to say, I've been young and I have been old. I have never seen the wicked, nasty, unrighteous forsaken. That's not what he said. He said, I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor the seed of God begging bread. I don't know why my money just don't work out. Because you listen to what you just said. My money. I don't know why my house, your house. I'm not a health, wealth, and prosperity preacher, but I'm telling you right now, I believe with everything that's in me. Whatever God has planned for you, if you're in His will, hell itself can't stand against what you're doing. Come recession, come drought, come locust, it doesn't make no difference. Because my God is the God of the rain. My God is the God of all living creatures on the face of this planet. My God is the God of this atmosphere. And did you know that my God can have a drought in an entire nation, but yet cause it to rain in one spot? Read the book. My house. I know a gentleman just recently. He's not perfect. But everything that he has, he believes that God gave it to him and that it belongs to God. Found out that his floors had been getting soaked going to cost $14,000 to repair it all. That's him doing the work. But this is where he starts his journey. He said, Lord, I have $14,000. And I want to praise you for the fact, although I don't want to spend that on, on this, but yet I have $14,000 that you gave me for the house, to fix the house that you gave me. Two days after that, somebody that owed him $16,000 for two years, check comes in the mail. And I'm rejoicing with him. He said, hang on, it ain't got good yet. He said, we finally heard back from the insurance company, they're going to pay me $24,000 to fix it with my company. See, but it ain't about, here's what it's about. Lord, you gave me this house. This is your house. I'm just using it. God, you gave me the $14,000. It's your $14,000. I'm just using it. And then God says, I'll take care of this. The righteous shall never be forsaken. Do I have righteousness in myself? No. No. All of my righteousness is but filthy rags. But the righteousness of Jesus Christ, if we will come to Him, if we will seek Him, if we will abide with Him, then His righteousness begins to overflow in my life in the exact place that He designed for it to overflow in. It will not leak. As a matter of fact, if you go stay with Jeremiah, what does God do when we do this? 
If I had a clay pot in my hand, I'd throw it down and bust it. Why? Because the potter, when the clay was not working well in the potter's hands, the potter destroys it and starts all over again. And that is the story of our lives, folks. We seek after him. He's working. We turn away from him. What does he do? Starts all over again. And over and over and over. Isn't it amazing? The long-suffering and the love of Almighty God for our lives. Everything we have is His. So here, here we go. Let's get this last one, and then I'll take you through three challenging points as we close. We must drop our water pot, seek Him, so that He may fill the vessel He created to contain living water. I know I didn't read all of the others, uh, the, the rest of that in Jeremiah, uh, just, I mean Haggai just a minute ago. You can go back and read it. I just want you to understand that it's God that gives and God that taketh away. And at the end of it all, blessed be the name of the Lord. Hosea. So you're not far away in Haggai. Just take another left a little bit to another small book, Haggai. I mean Hosea. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6 through 12. And here is the beginning of some application. Well, preacher, what do I do? Okay, I come to the Lord, but what does the Lord expect of me? Great question. The same thing he expects in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, this is in the New Testament, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Is God chasing you around trying to get your sacrifice? The, you, your living sacrifice? No, 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 no. You present your sacrifice, your living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable worship, reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How, Lord? How can I be transformed? I thought when I got saved, everything's done. Salvation is done. Sanctification, as far as God's concerned, is done. We just ain't finished with it yet. He's not finished with it in us yet. Glorification, it's as good as done. It's going to happen when I get to heaven. It's done. It's all His work. We are just pilgrims on a journey. So here in Hosea chapter 3, did I say chapter 4? No, it is 4, sorry. 4 verse 6 through 12. My people are destroyed for what church? Lack of knowledge. Because you, are, you have rejected knowledge. I also will reject you from being priest for me, because you have forgotten the law of your God. I also will forget your children. The more they increase, the more they sin against me. I will change their glory into shame. Now, I wanted to read something for you real quick. <clears throat> I want you to hear our earthly theology in a song, the lyrics of a song. <clears throat> uh, is it John Michael Montgomery? Come on, I know i got some country fans in here, right? 
uh, is the name of the song is uh, Sold. I think that's the name of the song. <clears throat> well, I went down to the Grundy, the Gundy, Grundy County auction. Right? Y'all with me now? When I saw something I just had to have, my mind told me I should proceed with caution. But my heart said, go ahead and take, make a bid on. Now, I want you to listen. I want you to really listen. We've been reading God's Word. I want you to listen to our words. Go ahead and make a bid on that. Now, every lady in the room, you ought to be appalled. I know you are. The guys don't catch it, but you do, right? It ain't got good yet. And I said, hey, pretty lady, won't you give me a sign? I'd give anything to make you mine, all mine. You say, this is just a silly country song. No, 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 no. This is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth is speaking. I give anything to make you mine, all mine. I do your bidding and be at your beck and call. My wife's a godly woman. Now, she ain't perfect. Do you know what? My wife does not want me to do her bidding and be at her beck and call. You say, what? She doesn't. She wants me to do his bidding and be at his beck and call, and she knows that not one thing at the house is going to be lacking. Never seen anyone looking so fine. Man, I got to have her. She's one of a kind. Going once, going twice, sold to... Uh, so uh, I mean, sold. I'm sold on the lady in the second row. Of, yeah, whatever. We're getting out to say. Anyhow, that's enough. <laughs> you get the point. That is how the natural man thinks. But God's word will stand up here and tell you that your wife was created by God. Guys, he breathed into her life just as he breathed into you life. He formed her, he fashioned her, and he has a job for you to take her to the throne of God, his word, and that you would work a work, you would allow him to work a work in her life because of his word, not what you want to happen. And, God, and ladies, that you would want God to lead your husbands. We, we, we go it all. But that's not how it works. That's broken cisterns. They're hewn out. So, here we go. Verse 8. They eat up the sin of my people. They set their heart on their iniquity. And it shall be like people like priests. So I will punish them for their ways and reward them for their deeds. For they shall eat but not have enough. They shall commit harlotry but not increase. Listen. Because they have ceased obeying the Lord. You said, I thought grace does away with obeying the law. No, 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 no. It does not do away. He said, I didn't come to do away with the law. I come to fulfill the law. What does that mean? You and I cannot keep the law in our flesh. We can't meet the righteous requirements. So what does Jesus do? He dies on the cross that he might fulfill the righteous requirement of the law so that you and I may be saved. But then grace does not stop there. Grace now empowers me to live holy. I couldn't before. But now the grace of God is working with me so preciously and so, so, so precious, so diligently working with me and with you that we might be conformed into His image. 
It's Him doing all the work. Harlotry, verse 11, wine and new wine enslaved the heart. I want you to listen to verse 12. My people ask counsel from their wooden idols, and their staff informs them, for the spirit of harlotry has caused them to stray, and they have played the harlot against their God. Listen, they ask counsel from their idols. What should I do? Well, let me, I get to my three challenge points, which are very quick. What should I do? If you ask ungodly people for advice on godly things, you're silly. You're silly. You're not, not wise. God's ways are not our ways. Have you been seeking your own direction in life only to turn around and realize God wasn't following you? Have you been seeking your own direction in life only to turn around and realize that God wouldn't follow you? Here's another one. What have you bought, made, or accepted that you hoped would satisfy you? What did you buy into? And that was going to be the thing. It never ceases to amaze me the amount of folks, and I'm just talking about through the Christian lens. I'm not judging. I'm just saying I hear it all the time. Preacher, got a praise report. What's that? Got a new job. Really? Tell me about it. Well, now it's going to, for, for a while now, I'm, I'm not going to be able to be at church, but, but, but it's going to be okay. It'll, 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 it'll change. The money's going, it's going. Do you realize that the only thing that keeps you from the fountain is you? The only thing that keeps you from the fountain is you. And I'll remind you, it ain't no better than watering fake flowers. And he says, come to me, the fountain of living water. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg wants to share with you how the gospel changed his life and how it can change yours too. You know, Tim, it was the gospel that saved me. I'll never forget when Ray Elder came into my life uh, God put him there, and he shared the truth of the gospel with me, that I was a sinner, that Christ died for my sins, and that if I would accept him as the Lord of my life and follow him, that he would change my life. And that's exactly what he's done. I wonder if that's something that you would like to do today, that you would today, before God, just admit, you know, God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, and I need you. And God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me, and I want to accept his payment today for, for my sins, and I want to live for him from this point forward. If you pray that prayer today, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We also want to encourage you to contact us. You'll find a link below where you can reach us, and so we look forward to hearing from you. so much that he gave his son for us. Amen. God bless you guys.